is Scooter Smith. I'm so excited to speak with Scooter. He is our private bank director for Veritex Community Bank. Over his career, Scooter has devoted himself to Texas communities and served on the board of directors of organizations such as Goodwill Industries, Houston, and Dallas Casa. I think the, one of the things that you'll love hearing about Scooter is he is passionate about leading and serving others in the community. Scooter is a native Texan. He and his wife have two grown children. They were living in Dallas about six months ago and are now back in Houston, their hometown. Today, Scooter and I will be talking about how serving others in your community can affect not only your personal life, but also your business life. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Today is a very exciting day for me. I get to talk with Scooter Smith. Scooter is our Director of Private Banking. Scooter and I have a little bit of a background together. We didn't realize it, but we both worked at Bank of America a while back and didn't know each other, but had worked with a lot of the same people. So I'm excited that Scooter has come over to Veritex Bank and we get the opportunity to talk about him and what he's doing and at the bank, as well as what his passion is in the community. So welcome Scooter to the show. I'm so excited to talk with you this morning. LaVonda, thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. Well, we have to get to the first things first, Scooter. Your name is Scooter. Well, that's not your name. That's your nickname, right? <laughs> so it's George Scooter Smith. But I have to know the story about how you became Scooter. Oh, my. You know, uh, I wish it was a better story, Lavanda. <laughs> just, just, to, just to tighten it up a bit. When I was born, my 70-year-old great-grandmother got on a train from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and came to Lake Charles, Louisiana, which is where I was born, to mm -hmm. see her first great-grandchild. And oh. the story was that she went back and forth into the nursery many times while she was there for 48 hours, but I was never awake, but I'd always <laughs> moved around in the bed. All I did was scoot around. There you have it. <laughs> hey, I, I love that. I wish it was a better story, but- uh, No, I think that's, that's a great story. <laughs> that's the one I've gone with. Do you still have to scoot around in bed? Or are you a sleeper that can just stay still? Uh, when I go to sleep, I'm usually pretty well conked off. <laughs> well, good. Well, that's great. Well, Scooter, you've had a long career in banking. And I think that's one of the, you know, I see people who've worked through several years in different jobs at banks. I'm always amazed at how you stayed with it. You know, you had a long career that helped you stay involved in the community, helped you stay true to yourself and what you thought was important. So tell me how you did that. I mean, tell me a little bit about getting involved in banking and what got you to bribe a bank. I think it's really important to have balance in your life and being involved in the community is part of that, you know, trying right. to be engaged in things where you, you have a passion about the cause, but you also have something interesting to do. And, you know, I guess several years ago, pulled together a, a seminar or workshop really to talk about board service. And what came out of that, it was really interesting, was that just what I just said, you have to be engaged with an organization that around whose cause you have a passion. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to have something interesting to do in that organization. And right. that's what really makes, you know, good board service and, you know, at a different level, just good engagement with any community service that you want to be a part of. You know, for me personally, you know, if you want to know how I got started in community service, I, growing up, my parents were very involved in the community and very involved in my church. So, you know, I think observing that is, is yeah. really, you know, when, after I'd gotten married, you know, I guess what drew me initially into community service was something that was very personal. Our first son, and I have two great sons, they're grown, they're, they're doing really well. But my first son was born with a lower limb deficiency, uh -huh. uh, meaning he had 
part of his leg missing. And ultimately, you know, we had to, you know, amputate his leg and get him fit with a prosthesis. Well, you can imagine, you know, as a first time parent, that's just devastating. Yeah. And what we found was we weren't alone. There were a lot of other parents that had a similar situation. And right. we joined with some other families and started a group called the Limbs of Love Foundation, oh, which great. raised some money to help pay for prosthetics for, for families that couldn't afford it. But really the most valuable thing about that was getting people together with like issues to, you know, be able to share the, the pain and the, and the progress and watch these kids together, which was really the most healing part of the whole thing was seeing our kids cope much better than we did. And ultimately they, they you know, what they do heal you. And my son developed an incredible sense of humor about this. And he and his younger brother kind of ham and egg that up a lot. So if you ever <laughs> go up to my son and ask him what happened to his leg, he's, uh, he's got a shark story. He's got a bear story. <laughs> uh, I had to cut it off at the lawnmower story, but you know, he's, he's got a healthy sense of himself and, you know, he now he is, like I said, both of my sons are, are great young men and they're both doing really well. But that that drew us into an awareness that there are needs in the community that, you know, we need to step up and try to meet. And clearly this was something that around which I had a, a very personal interest. Right. Uh, but, you know, also found I, I had a role I could play, you know, serving right. on that board, helping them raise some money, trying to provide some direction and programming for the you know support group meetings that we ultimately had. So, yeah, I think that that's really important too. what you're speaking of and a couple of key words that you said that, you know, we can expound on a little bit because I think it's important for people to hear that is that, you know, part of it is the community, but you observed servant leadership and servant yeah. heart uh, growing up. So that helped you mm -hmm. develop that, that case of that we're all in this together. And so when you did the limbs of love, that you weren't alone and you may have felt, uh, felt alone and when it was happening to you individually, but I think that's a part of the Veritex Community Bank story is that we are all in this together. We happen to be a bank, but we live in our communities. And I've said this before a couple of times that people have said, oh, take community out of your name. It sounds small. It makes you seem small, but it's intentional for us to stay that way because we do want to be involved in our communities. That's where we live and work. And we think we have a yeah. responsibility to those communities, right? And I, from being here now, almost six months, Veritex really lives that. I see our employees and our leaders out in the community very frequently engaged in organizations they care about deeply. And they, they are very involved at, at high and, and grassroots levels. And right. I think that's really, really important. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that's the thing that we want to talk about. You know, a lot of people think about bankers. Well, we, we you know, we're bankers. We don't do this. But when I look at our our group of family of employees, I see people who are really invested in their communities and passions that they have similar to yours. A lot of people may not know, but you're very involved with CASA. So I, I'd like to find out a little bit about, you know, tell us a little bit more about CASA, but also tell us how you got there. You bet. Oh man, thanks for asking that question. Dallas CASA, first of all, it's an incredible organization. I mean, its purpose is to provide advocacy with advocates. That means a person who is trained and engaged in, you know, the life of the child while, while the child is in foster care. 
and making sure that you understand and get involved in as needed their, their educational needs, their personal needs, making sure that the many good people that are involved around the foster care system, and it's, it's CPS, it's the courts, it's right. law enforcement, you know, it's attorneys and, you know, people that want to help are all coming together in a way that, you know, collectively provides for that child's needs and helping them get through a, an incredibly traumatic time in their life. You know, what you find, and again, my engagement at CASA, I started off as a director and when I moved to Dallas and it uh-huh. was, you know, again, a great organization. I, I can't say enough about the, the quality of leadership. Kathleen Laval is a wonderful CEO, quality of governance and the engagement they have in that board. So you end up with a really well-run organization that's well-funded and, and provides a great service for the community. But, you know, after doing that for a couple of years, my feeling was, I want to be a better director if I get a sense for what it's like to be an advocate. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just take the training. (laughs) And so I I sat through the training, which is, you know, it's substantial. It's 30 hours. It's, you know, something you have to do to be an advocate. You you go through the screening and the training. And then, you know, once you've done that, you say, okay, I'm going to step up and take a swing at being an advocate. And that was really life-changing. It gave you an inside view of what it's like to see how these kids live and understand what they've been through. And also, be on alert for, again, where, where gaps might be in terms of how they're being taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'll say this, there are really a lot of really highly trained, well-intended, very capable people in the system that make sure these kids get taken care of. But you know, occasionally there's a place where you can say, hey, I, I think we need to explore this a little bit because my sense is the child may be lacking in a, in a certain need. And, uh, you know, that's that's a really important part of the job. It's not a passive, just go see a once a month type of, uh, you know, engagement. You really need to, to step up and understand what's going on. Well, I think that part of your role of being able to do that, you know, working in, in a corporation, you know, that you're able to look at situations and say, hey, we're doing okay here and it's working but there's ways we can do things better or we miss something and being yeah. able to to call it out and not being afraid to say we can do better here. I think that holds true from a nonprofit as well as a company, quite frankly. And I'm always amazed when people, when they look at something and, and don't say something, it doesn't mean that we're blowing the whole thing up, but there's always some gaps and we can do better on it. I saw an ad this morning I, I shared on my LinkedIn about make life better. And I think if we're all called to just make life better, not only for ourselves, but for our community and those that we are friends with, family with, neighbors, whatever the the word may be. And so I'm interested in how's your work at CASA or even your Limbs for Love, which I'm not as familiar with, so I'd love to hear more about that. How's it changed you, Scooter? What what has it done for you? You know, I think uh, there's a defining moment in my work at CASA. One of the children I was working with, it became apparent to me, and just, you know, sometimes your visits are about going out and throwing the football or you know, playing right. a video game. But, you know, a lot of times it's helping them do their homework. And right. one of these children, their their reading level wasn't age appropriate. And, you know, I'm not an educator, but it didn't take long to figure that out. Right. And, um, you know, we had to step up and figure out a way to help this young man get on track with the ability to read so that, you know, when he got to the right grade, he was able to read to learn. But before that, you know, you need to be able to learn to read. And that's, for some kids, that's really hard. 
I mean, I had, wow. you know, both of my sons, you know, weren't great readers and, you know, just the steps to get them to where they needed to be were challenging. Well, we'll imagine that sort of situation in a foster care uh, environment. It's not easy. And right. so we figured out a way to, to make that happen for that young man. But that to me kind of further brought some focus to, you know, what I'm thinking about now in terms of where I want to get engaged in the Houston community. Literacy is a, a big issue. I think anybody that you talk to, you know, in the nonprofit community will tell you that literacy, particularly for young people, kids in mm -hmm. elementary school is absolutely critical to their ultimate success in life. And you only have a few years when you can address that. So again, just to kind of make a, a long process less long, that's kind of where I'm trying to find some focus here in Houston as I move back and find a place to, to get engaged or, or start something that uh, focuses on that. But, you know, that's yeah. that's not an easy process to assess and figure out where you need to get plugged in. But that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I think that's important, too, is that, you know, there's a lot of programs out there that address literacy or address different issues. But you've got to find well, the organization that really speaks to your heart or, you know, that you can add value yeah. to and make sure that it's right for you and what your servant right. heart is telling you to do. How do you give hope to a child in the foster care system? It starts with your heart. That tug you feel on yours when you hear that children are waiting for a stable, loving voice to speak up for their best interests. And then it becomes your time. What started out as a feeling that maybe you could make a difference becomes the difference. Change a child's story. There is a child waiting for a volunteer like you. Learn how you can help at casaforchildren.org. That's one of the things that we talk about is that when you look back on your life, and I, I'm interested in hearing your story that I, I didn't realize either that your son had been born with a limb missing and that you've gone through those some of those trials and tribulations with your family. That actually, you know, I, I was telling somebody the other day that sometimes these silver linings, and I hate to say it that way, but there's something that good that comes out of something that isn't perceived as always good. We talked about the COVID situation, right? There's been some silver linings to that, unfortunately, you know, not saying anything about the, the sickness or the the desk, but where you had to spend more time at home with family and had sure. to do certain things a little differently. So I think there's always those silver linings. One of the things I'm interested in talking to you about is because you've seen changes in the community and in service and organizations, I really want to know, Scooter, if you look back on your career and your, your life to some degree, what would you say to your 20-year-old self? How would What would you do the same? And what would you go, man, don't do this? <laughs> What advice would you give yourself? Wow. Uh, a 20-year-old scooter probably wouldn't be much of a listener, unfortunately. But, you know, if, if I was going to have to say something to him, I'd say, one, take your career seriously from the very start. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think I've done a reasonably good job of that. But find, find something that you love and... Ultimately, if you love it, you'll learn about it. You'll do it well. And, you know, you'll you'll be able to find employment around something that you care about and are good at and you like. Right. I mean, I, th I think that's that's really important for any young person to hear, whether they're in college or even years out of college. And that's kind of a changing process. You know, that what 20-year-old Scooter might have answered that question with might be different than what <laughs> a 30- or 40-year-old Scooter would say. Exactly. Um, but the other part of that is, you know, you're not in it alone. You need to be looking for ways 
ways to serve. And that's something I, I do wish I'd done earlier. And when my older son was born, that was kind of a wake up call that there are people out there that have issues, that have hurts and have needs that, you know, we're a lot of times better equipped than we think to get out there and help with. Mm-hmm. So that's when finding that right organization and that right cause and that right body of work within that organization is really important to getting you engaged, being out there to do your part. Right. You know, uh, capitalism is a great system, but it doesn't work unless the people that, you know, benefit from it are out there giving back. And that can right. you know mean with your checkbook and that can mean with your service. And I think it means both. And so you've yeah. got to be really deliberate if we're going to maintain the system of you, you've got to get out there and make sure that you're doing your part to give back. What drove you to be in banking? I mean, why <laughs> that career choice? My grandfather was a banker. I thought oh, yeah. That- I thought that was cool. I could go down and see him in, in Wichita Falls. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, he was a banker in his office and uh, I, I thought that was neat. But, you know, the things that that kind of drew me to banking, I come from a family of engineers. I mean, my, my dad's an aerospace engineer. He's with NASA for 30 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. My brother's an engineer. Uh, both my grandfathers were engineers. So I, I so you really was, broke away. <laughs> well, you know, I still had this thing for numbers and, and science and, and logic, but I just didn't want to do that for a living, but uh-huh. you know, it kind of drew me to accounting and finance, and that's what my degrees were in. So banking seemed to be, you know, a great place to go. Actually, I was a stockbroker before I was a banker. Uh, yeah. I did that for four years, but banking seemed to be, you know, matched up well with that. And yet, once you get into banking, you find out real quickly that it's you've got to be able to do the accounting and be able to read a balance sheet and an income statement and understand the story they tell. But you've also got to be able to develop relationships. A, a great way to develop relationships is, you know, finding people that are like-minded to around your passions, and that's kind of brings you back to community service. I've met great people. With with, you know, which I do business or receive referral business from or refer business to that, you know, have served with me on, on boards and various organizations. And that's a great way to get to know people and, and people, yeah. you know, care about the same things you do. Would you have told your 20 year old self to be a banker? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a doctor until I worked uh, as an intern in a hospital and, you know, sight of blood really didn't go with me too well. <laughs> And, and, I can and understand that. Lamana, quite honestly, I didn't get serious enough about my education to have a chance to get into medical school. But I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I ended up where I am because this has been a great career. Yeah, that's great. Well, we're excited uh, to have you <laughs> with us where, you know, when you've been with us about six months. And like I said, we couldn't be more excited. Uh, one of the things that I just want to talk about is that, you know, you've uh, recently moved from Dallas. Right. I don't know if it's a back to Houston or to Houston. Did did you live in Houston for a long time and then you moved to Dallas? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so I, okay. I grew up in Houston. I, you know, grew up here, worked here most of my career, mm-hmm. went away to school twice, but worked here until I was, you know, mid fifties and then had a great opportunity with the organization that I you know, was with at the time right. and moved to Dallas and was there for six years. And, you know, Dallas is a wonderful place, you know, a great learning experience for my wife and I, we made some great friends, uh, found a, found a great community. At some point, it just felt like it was time to, to move back to Houston. My parents are uh, still here and it's great to be back with them. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. It just felt like time for a lot of reasons. I'm glad to be with Veritex. I'm very flattered. Veritex has afforded me the opportunity to start a private banking business and kind of help that mesh into the rest of the operations of, of the bank. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you're what you're going to be doing in your, your agenda in Houston <laughs> for starting their private bank. Yeah. You know, what have you done so far and kind of what are your plans going forward? Well, so what we've done so far is, you know, kind of bring some focus to, you know, what we want to do. 
and the Mm -hmm. things that we want to do for our clients, both near term and longer term. You know, near term, I think we've done a really good job and we pulled together, you know, a a pitch book that kind of states who we are, what we do, what we believe. And you needed to kind of focus on certain types of credit uh, and certain types of clients. We do a great job of banking commercial clients. We have an incredible commercial banking, business banking, community banking set of capabilities and, and, and people. And many times as businesses get larger, you know, the needs of the owners of those businesses kind of diverge from the need for a, just a commercial banking relationship. Right. Uh, Sometimes, you know, their needs uh, kind of go to more personal needs. Like I, I want to find a place where my family can grow or I want to find, you know, a, a recreational facility or community. I want to make sure that my special needs child is taken care of. Right. Uh, I have a, a charity that I, I want to make sure is taken care of at some point, uh, maybe after I pass. How do I affect those goals? And, you know, advising business owners around those goals is something that I've, I've spent a lot of time on during my career. And I think that's something that's additive that you know, we can bring as private bankers to our client. And that's something I really look forward to doing. That's great. Well, we're so excited to have you on the team with us and be a part of our family, expand that group in Houston. Um, First, I just want to thank you for your service to CASA. I think that's awesome. And I'm hopeful we can have more people who have maybe hear your story today that may say, hey, Maybe that's something I'll look into. And, you know, it takes all of us to do the job to your point. So the more people can be involved, the better. Thank you again for taking the time, Scooter, to speak with me today. I always love speaking to people with purpose, people with passion about what they do. I always say work is our work, but what we do with that work gives us the ability to go outside and affect our communities is what we really should be looking for. And hopefully our bankers and our teammates are doing that. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. You bet, LaVonda. I sure enjoyed the discussion. Good to see you again.